It's the Last Call podcast with the Commodore on the catamaran of conservatism, Chris Michaels. Lovable fuzzball, brilliant light shining across the fruited plains, bringing to you Hangover Monday, which I'll always do at the end. And that award this week goes to the USPS. That's right, the Postal Service. And I'll get into that later on. But first and foremost, we have an idiot, Harvard Law Professor Justice Justice Justin Hansford. He went to the UN Permanent Forum on People of African Descent and said, guess what? We need to stop slavery. Uh, what? I thought we had already stopped it. But no, no, no. He is essentially saying that the United States is guilty of cultural genocide and we need to end the continuation of slavery through means like mass incarceration in the United States. That's right. He wants to defund the police even more. So if we're really supposed to believe this guy's integrity— then why aren't we doing anything about the human trafficking across the border from Mexico to the United States? Do you genuinely think most of those people and children are coming into this country for a better life? You don't think that there is a certain level of indentured servitude that is being forced upon these people by the coyotes and the cartels that are bringing them across the border? You don't think that the cartels are selling these children to people within the foster care system being run by the Biden administration and those foster care parents aren't exactly nice or honest, which ultimately sell those children into the sex slave industry. So please, for the love of God, idiot, get out of the U.N. Nobody wants to hear from you. Shuffle back off to your ivory tower, Mr. Hansford, and let us never hear from you ever again until you address the problem at the border with the United States and Mexico and what is exactly going on during those transfers from the cartels up to the United States. So please leave us alone. Don't come knocking at this door ever, please, for the love of God. Oh, another odd story that occurred over the course of the weekend, which was a jump ball between the Postal Service and uh, this story. Odd private jet crashed in Nova, Northern Virginia. The private jet was coming from East Hampton, New York over the weekend. It suddenly decided to go over restricted airspace in Washington, D.C. The government launched F-16s to intercept it. I think there were six of them, and uh, they even had clearance to go super-duper fast and create a sonic boom, which spooked a lot of people. Now, the plane ultimately crashed, but who was on the plane? None other than Trump MAGA donors, mega donors, whose whole family were killed in this Cessna. The grandchild, the daughter, and uh, I think the pilot and so on and so forth. Now, here's the problem with this story 
uh, suddenly Trump mega donors, they're being taken out. They're the ones that are miraculously falling from the sky. I mean, this sounds like the Clinton suicide club all over again. Whenever I hear some kind of airplane with notable figures on it suddenly crashing, the first place my mind goes to is sabotage and assassination. In this case, I would suspect that the people that killed these passengers and destroyed this plane more than likely were sending a message to the rest of the family members that belong to Trump's mega donors. Now, to be fair, this mega donor also has donated to plenty of other Republicans, including Ron DeSantis. So who knows what the real story is, but the purpose of this is to make sure that everybody is on the same page and you're not safe. If you don't go along with the narrative and if you continue to support Trump, expect more retaliation along these lines. Now, what's also kind of not necessarily honest with this story is they say, oh, well, the cabin pressure uh, was all screwed up. So everybody passed out. That's why the plane wasn't responding to anybody. And that's why it plummeted at a rate of 20,000 feet per minute. Uh, the problem with this is, one, how did the cabin pressure get all screwed up? Two, this kind of plane was supposed to descend uh, if the crew is not responding uh, to about 10,000 feet, not 20,000 feet per minute. So I would suspect there is definitely some kind of sabotage in there, but they're not telling us what went on. This is definitely going to be in the Clinton suicide column, and I, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what else we can find out about this kind of nonsense. And don't think, don't think for a second that we are alone. That's right. That's right. We're hearing this kind of rhetoric be ramped up more and more, especially over the weekend. A new report from two veteran mainstream journalists citing a decorated whistleblower provides stunning insight into the U.S. government's history of ufos and they say we are not alone and they also they being the u.s government and its contractors retrieved a craft of quote-unquote non-human origin now i do want to see the real transcript for all of this and according to the debrief which is the news conglomerate that reported this a former intel officer turned whistleblower has given congress and the intel community inspector general extensive classified info about deeply covert products products programs that he says possess uh retrieved intact and partially intact craft of non-human origin Okay, so what is he saying there? Uh, because it's written poorly. Uh, essentially, they have parts of non-human craft and they have intact craft. So immediately when you hear non-human craft, you think extraterrestrial. 
But that's not necessarily the case. I wouldn't necessarily go down that road because all you have to do is look towards India, look towards the records of Alexander the Great when he was gallivanting around that part of the world, and uh, you hear all about Vimanas. And what are those? Those are craft that strikingly look like UFOs that we see and know and love to this very day. And if you also read anything from Edgar Casey and his channelings about Atlantis, he also makes reference to UFOs or crafts that have a, a striking resemblance to a UFO. And guess what? He attributes those craft to the Atlantean technologists. So in other words, even though this craft could may in fact be of non-human origin, it does not necessarily mean it is extraterrestrial. It could in fact be some kind of breakaway civilization that is yet to be uncovered, especially if it is advanced enough to realize that everything is vibration. And knowing that everything is vibration, and also knowing that humans receive about, or perceive, not receive, about 0.05% of all energy that we know about. What about energy we don't know about? The human being is essentially blind. So if you have a civilization that is far more advanced, it would more than likely be able to hide itself in some way, either under the waves, through cloaking technology, through different vibrations, possibly living way high up in the atmosphere, maybe even on the moon, because we also recently learned in the past couple of years that the moon is within the Earth's atmosphere. Interesting side note. Now, what does he also say? He says that the recoveries of partial fragments through and up to intact vehicles have been made for decades. Okay, nothing earth-shattering there. We're not talking about prosaic origins or identities. The material includes intact and partially intact vehicles. Okay, Department of Redundancy Department. According to the analysis, the objects of are of exotic origin, non-human intelligence, whether extraterrestrial or unknown origin. That's the key right there, unknown origin. They are assuming that it is non-human, but that doesn't mean that it is in fact non-human. It could be part of a very, very advanced technology program that has been hidden, hello, Nazis in Argentina and potentially Antarctica. Based upon the vehicle morphologies and material science testing and the possession of unique atomic arrangements and radiological signatures. Ooh, fancy. UFO legacy programs have long been concealed within multiple agencies nesting UAP activities in conventional secret access programs without appropriating report, without appropriating and reporting to various oversight authorities. So what this means, essentially, is that they decentralized all of the different programs that are involved with this kind of material and these kinds of crafts. Why? Because they don't want one agency to learn too much. If said agency, like, I don't know, the CIA or the NSA or the NRO learns all about UFOs, 
then you could potentially have a rogue agency holding the world and the rest of the government hostage with its knowledge of this kind of material. Gorsuch told Congress of the existence of a decades-long publicly unknown Cold War for recovered and exploited physical material, a competition with near-peer adversaries over the years to identify crashes and landings and retrieve the material for exploitation and reverse engineering. Oh, that's also very good. So the Cold War has not ended, has it? Materials from objects of non-human origin are in the possession of highly secret black programs. I would suggest that these black programs aren't even stationed in this earth, on this earth, potentially not even in this frequential dimension. Interesting sidebar that you should consider. Hello, Montauk Project. According to, un to an unclassified version of his whistleblower complaint, Gorsuch has direct knowledge that UAP-related classified info has been withheld or canceled and concealed from Congress elements of the intelligence community. So in other words, they're trying to avoid any sort of scrutiny. Now, here's my big problem with this. What's going on in the world? We hear about massive, massive instigation in the Ukraine. We are also seeing an elevation of warlike posturing in the South Pacific. We're now starting to see the cracks in the economy, and we're going to be moving to a digital currency in about, well, a month, if the powers that be have their way. What else is going on? We are now looking at a digital ID. Now, if you are to roll all of this into a neat little ball... What is the one way to completely Shanghai the population of the Earth and get everybody ready to accept a one-world currency, to accept a digital currency, to accept a one-world government, a one-world religion, and a one-world citizenship? You throw out the alien invasion card. And it doesn't take that much brain power to truly grasp the highly manipulative approaches that the powers that be could take by using things like technology that was developed way long ago during Operation Bluebeam by creating massive, massive holograms that look strikingly realistic. Are we to trust the same people that brought us COVID, the same people that brought us 9-11 and the war on terror, the invasion of Afghanistan, the invasion of Iraq, Ukraine gate, Russia gate. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, the Ukraine war. Are we to believe that the people that brought us those events are now going to be truthful about alien disclosure? Are we to believe that if contact was supposedly made, they are going to be made making contact with the elites that brought us all of those aforementioned events? No, of course not. This is a centralization of information. And so what they're going to try and do is a massive deception on a global scale.
And that massive deception involves alien disclosure. And these aliens are only going to meet with people from the Trilateral Commission and the World Economic Forum because they're the ones in charge. And wouldn't you know it, these people look a lot like human beings. So the only way we can determine the difference between a human being and these extraterrestrials is by having what? A digital health initiative by putting your biometrics on a centralized database probably in the form of a microchip inserted into your palm and it is accessed by all of the governmental powers that be this comes from ec.europa.eu digital health commission and world health organization launched landmark digital health initiative to strengthen global health security Yes, that's right. They're moving ahead with their COVID-19 nonsense. In June of 23, the World Health Organization will take up the EU system of digital COVID-19 certification to establish a global system that will help facilitate global mobility and protect citizens across the world from ongoing and future health threats. This is the first building block of the World Health Organization's Global Digital Health Certification Network that will develop a wide range of digital products to deliver better health for all. Oh, like if I don't get certain vaccines, then I don't have access to my digital currency. If I don't get all of the booster shots, I'm not allowed beyond five miles of my registered address. Is that the kind of products that's going to deliver better health for all? And is some kind of database like this going to facilitate global mobility and protect citizens from ongoing and future health threats? This sounds to me like if you don't sign up for this draconian measure, you're going to be restricted to your hometown and you will not be able to leave your 15-minute city. This doesn't facilitate global mobility for anybody but the elites that are allowed to pay off organizations and agencies like the World Health Organization and get fake documents that say, oh yeah, I've been vaccinated for COVID. Oh yeah, I got all the boosters too. That group will be the only one with global mobility, while you and me will probably be quarantined to our 15-minute cities. Is this the kind of future that we want? I would dare suggest the answer being no. We don't want any of it. We don't want it ever because this kind of behavior and these kinds of individuals are reprehensible and their actions are unforgivable. They're trying to start a third world war and they want to take us to the brink of a nuclear standoff for reasons that I told you, because at that point, during that nuclear standoff, do not be surprised if disclosure is suddenly made. And oh, we're part of a global community, and we must put down the weapons. We must put down the nuclear weapons, even though the West probably will be the first ones to launch them in the form of a dirty bomb. Or, oh, it just miraculously went off, and we'll blame the Russians. So the only way to stop the fighting is through an Operation uh, or 
project, Blue Beam style technological event that has everybody stopping in their tracks. Because the West has done everything in its power to make sure that Russia is is attempting to be quarantined economically and it ain't working. Even the New York Times admitted that, yes, your lovable fuzzball host, Chris Michaels, is correct. They had to come out with an article. Oh, here it is. Kiev, Ukraine. Since Russia began its invasion of the Ukraine last year, uh, that's not entirely true, the Ukrainian government and NATO allies have posted, then quietly deleted, three seemingly innocuous photos from their social media feed. A soldier standing in a group, another resting in a trench, and an emergency worker posing in front of a truck. Well, the problem with this uh, New York Times article is, one, they don't believe in the Oxford comma. So that's an immediate strike against them uh, for this kind of heresy. Number two, in each of the photographs, guess what? The Ukrainian soldiers, like I've mentioned many times, were wearing unit emblems patches across the chest or on the shoulder like any other unit and those symbols were from nazi germany oh i thought there were no nazis in the ukraine the photographs and their deletions highlight the ukrainian military's complicated relationship with nazi imagery no it's not nazi imagery it is in fact nazis plain and simple And I brought it up in prior podcasts, articles all throughout 2014, 2008, 2016, 17. Even Congress said that there are Nazis in the Ukraine. Congress, I think in 2017 or 18, tried to stop funding the Ukrainian Nazis, specifically the Azov Battalion. But that all changed. That all changed under Biden. Their relationship has become especially delicate because Putin of Russia has falsely declared Ukraine to be a Nazi state. Wrong! Putin is 100% correct for saying that the Ukraine is a Nazi state, particularly with the military. And if you don't believe me, I will send you articles if you dare message me on Twitter or on Instagram at Last Call Caravan that talk about how there are whole villages and cities in the Ukraine celebrating Bandera. And I even did a podcast with the FBI and the CIA documents talking about Bandera, who was a Ukrainian leader that sided with the Nazis, for the most part. He did and he didn't over the course of the war. And they walk around with torches And they give each other Heil Hitler salutes. And, oh, it was a ball in the Ukraine until Putin marched in and said, enough is enough. No more Nazis. You know it's bad when even the New York Times has to admit that there are Nazis in the Ukraine. You know it's bad then. Because we're probably going to see a massive defeat of Ukrainian forces in uh, in the next few weeks, I should say. 
because there's supposed to be this massive counterattack, right? I don't know if you've heard about this, but there's supposed to be this massive counter. Everybody is supposed to stop. That's it. The Ukrainians are on a roll. They're going to march through the Crimea. They are going to go straight to the Russian border uh, before the Russians invaded. And they are going to sue for peace. And there's going to be a buffer zone inside of Russia where Russia can't position any of its forces. So this massive counterattack is going to settle scores. Watch out, Putin. Well, it turns out that they actually tried to start this massive counterattack yesterday and over the weekend. And wouldn't you know it, it was a massive, unequivocal flop. There were 250 Ukrainian troops killed, and that's according to the Russian Defense Ministry. Now, here's what a lot of people aren't saying. They aren't saying that there were roughly seven to 800 people wounded or missing. So the total casualty rate in 24 hours is about a thousand people in this massive counterattack. The Ministry of Defense said that the occupiers made 23 attacks, but all of them were repulsed. That's also true. And 21 armored vehicles were destroyed, six tanks, three infantry vehicles. Now, I've read other spots where um, other other channels where the losses were a lot more than that. Uh, maybe this article is dated. I would suspect that there are a lot more losses than just that, especially if you're talking about a thousand casualties in roughly 24 hours. I mean, it, it's not even it's not even fair to talk about any kind of Ukrainian uh, counteroffensive because. it's really just a massacre. And and it's really sad that the people of the Ukraine don't understand that they're pawns in this between the UK, the United States, and Russia. Those are the main three actors here. The United Kingdom is really quiet about what it does, but I would even go to so far as to say that the UK is doing a lot more work than the United States when it comes to sabotage, uh, terrorist attacks across the border with Russia. Uh, you just have to do the research. I don't have the the articles in front of me, but you you can bet your bottom dollar that that's in fact the case. Which brings us to the bottom dwellers that gives us Hangover Monday, and this comes from TrendingPoliticsNews.com. Oh, I thought the election of 2020 was the most honest election this side of the planet. And 81 million votes went to Joseph Biden in the aforementioned most honest election ever in the history of forever. And uh, most of those votes came to him in the form of mail-in ballots at 3 a.m. after, uh, you know, Things like, oh, a plumbing, uh, a pipe broke, so we need plumbers in here. Oh, we've got to stop the counting everywhere across the country, especially in battleground states where Trump is winning handedly. So, Fusion GPS, a contractor that worked for Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign, guess what? They said that they withheld 1,500 documents requested by Durham. And... 
even larger than that. Durham is a cuck because he didn't do anything about it. So Durham is a dope. Durham is a dope. That kind of story that was propagated throughout 2016, 17, 18, all throughout Trump's campaign and even beyond into this era is part of what went on ultimately during the 2020 election cycle. The Gateway Pundit. I was driving completed ballots from New York to Pennsylvania, so I decided to speak up. USPS contract truck driver, so the person doesn't work directly for uh, the Postal Service, transferred 288,000 fraudulent ballots from New York to Pennsylvania. That ain't good because that means the election was stolen. The Amistad Project said that they've got sworn declarations that state over 300,000 ballots are at issue in Arizona. Oh, I don't think Trump lost by more than 300,000. 548,000 in Michigan. Oh, I don't think he lost more by that either. Uh, 204,000 in Georgia. That's a jump ball there, too. And 121,000 in Pennsylvania. And they claim that the evidence reveals multi-state illegal efforts by postal workers to influence the election in at least three of the six swing states. Now, why is this important? Because it validates what I said all the way back in 2020. If the postal workers union says they are going to throw their weight and support behind Democrat Joseph Biden, and you have the first time ever the most mail-in ballots in the history of the United States. What in the ever-living F do you think is going to happen? The people that are entrusted with delivering your mail-in ballots accurately, whether or not you're a Democrat or Republican, throws its weight behind the Democrat candidate Joseph Biden. Do you think the Postal Service Union is going to be altruistic and unbiased and make sure that the ballots are delivered accurately and securely, especially when a lot of those mail-in ballot envelopes allowed the postal workers and anybody else to see which party affiliation the mailer was. Of course not. Attorney Phil Klein said 130,000 to 280,000 completed ballots for the general election were shipped from Bethpage, New York, oh, local pride, to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where these ballots and the trailer it was in, in which they were shipped, miraculously disappeared. Where did they go? Truck driver Jesse Morgan was present at the press conference and spoke for nine minutes, and He said, in total, I saw 24 Gaylords. No, it doesn't have anything to do with Pride Month. Or large cardboard containers of ballots loaded into my trailer. Once again, has nothing to do with Pride Month. These Gaylords contained plastic trays. I call them totes or trays of ballots stacked on top of one another. All the envelopes were the same size. I saw the envelopes had return addresses. They were complete 
ballots. He even went on to say that he sat in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania for hours. And when he was told to leave, the supervisor at the post office would not give him a slip or an overtime slip so he would get paid. Jesse said that the manager was kind of rude. So what that means is that some kind of company in the New York area created fake ballots and a contractor for the Postal Service delivered these fake ballots to places like Pennsylvania, where they miraculously disappeared. I would sincerely like to know when Jesse Morgan made that delivery. Could it have been around 1 a.m.? Could it? So that by 3 a.m.? Oh, look at all of those votes. Just roll in for Joseph Biden. I think that is it. I would like to know which companies on Long Island potentially make ballots and whether or not they filled them in prior to actually shipping those ballots to Pennsylvania. Or did New York State just scoop up a whole bunch of actual ballots of New York voters. And knowing that New York is always going to go Democrat, no matter what, they have these excess Democrat ballots for New York citizens, ship them to Pennsylvania, and the ballot counters just sent them through and counted them as actual Pennsylvania ballots. It's either one of those options, because we also hear all of those rumors about the ballots that were completed look like they were printed out. So the bubbles that were filled in were not filled in by a pen or a marker. It was filled in by the printer itself. That's going to be it for me. It's the Last Call podcast with Chris Michaels. And I'll be back for another uh, three riveting podcasts this week, as always. And I did uh, the Friday podcast with Greg Bolden. And I did another one with Greg and Lefty over the uh, weekend. So that's going to be coming out this week, too. So two additional podcasts for you to listen to and hear my olive oil tones and brilliance broadcasted to you across the digital landscape. Please do not miss those episodes. All right, you know what to do. Like me, find me, share me everywhere you go. Do not be afraid to say that you're a lovable fuzzball, you're brilliant, and you are more than capable of critical thinking.